Welcome to the Inner Life on another Monday Punday. Just the other day, my wife said to me, you really have no sense of direction, do you? I said, where'd that come from? Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to the Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome again, friends, to The Inner Life. I'm Patrick Conley, grateful that you could join us for another hour of spiritual direction. Well, first thing to say today is thank you. Thanks to the overwhelming generosity of our relevant radio listeners. We met our $3 million need on Friday last week during our winter pledge drive. Our thanks to, of course, our Lord's provision, our Lady's intercession, and your generosity. You're an answer to prayer. If you'd still like to make a gift, there's time. You can donate at RelevantRadio.com through the Relevant Radio app or by calling us at 877-291-0123. Again, thank you so much. One thing I can say that I've learned about Pledge Drive Weeks at Relevant Radio is it just seems like the energy level runs high. Even by the tones of the emails that I'm exchanging, you can tell that people are buzzing. Not with anxiety, but more with excitement. Now, I want to be clear. We don't take the generosity of our listeners and partners for granted. Far from it. But each time it rolls around, pledge drives are times to see the Lord's work in action amongst all the members of the Relevant Radio family. Is it a time of uncertainty? Yes. Is it a time of trial? Well, in a sense, yes. But... As we see the faithful support the Lord pours out through you, it becomes, above all, a time of joy. But of course, joy is not something that we often associate with times of trial. When the struggles and challenges of life come your way, I'm guessing it's not your usual response to count it as pure joy, as St. James encourages us to do. So, how do you get there? Well, Glad you tuned in, as that's our topic for today's show, Finding Joy in the Midst of Trial. Let's say hello to our spiritual director for the hour ahead. Joining us again is Father Sam Martin. Father Martin is a priest of the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin, where he serves as the pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau. Father Martin, welcome back to the program. Good to be speaking with you again. Yeah, likewise. It's a a happy Holy Monday, and we're just on the cusp of... uh the glorious season of Lent, and uh, to talk about joy at any time uh, is, uh, well, it's a great invitation to all of us to look at our own soul and to say, is there any joy in my life? Am I uh, an instrument of joy or an impediment of it? Well, these are things that we can examine today. So God yeah. bless you, Patrick. Good to be with you and our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right, Father. Um, as we're getting so close to Lent, Lent is indeed a season of joy, but maybe that's a good place to start. We don't oftentimes see it as such, right? I mean, we see it as a time of of uh, introspection, of, of penance, of, kind of fasting and abstinence and prayer and almsgiving, all those things that are part of Lent. But it really is at its core, it's a time of joy, isn't it? It's meant to simplify and to kind of, you know, once again, draw us back to the things that are the most meaningful in our life. There are a lot of other entrapments of uh, busyness and, uh, you know, the material things that those are always going to be with us and we'll have to, uh, you know, kind of work against some of those trends for all of our life. But so is the Lord. He, you know, united heaven and earth. The incarnation, the Word became flesh, so Jesus is here now too. And he's here until the end of the age, preeminently in the Eucharist, but in other ways too. So we want to uh, to move things uh, that kind of, they always are shifting, and pretty soon our heart 
is not so able to receive. It's just, uh, you know, there's no room at the end for Jesus because it's chock full of who knows what. So mm-hmm. Lent is a time to kind of strip that away. So uh, the, the goal of life is to be like Christ. And, of course, he says that I want my joy to be in you and your joy to be complete. Yeah. Huh. So how do we do that, Lord? Well, then he gives us a whole, not so much a program, but he says, follow me. I call you my friends. Well, what's friendship entail? Trust, uh, you know, time spent with this person, a good listener, someone that's able to give and receive. So all these things we can uh, certainly think about, talk about. That's the easy part, (laughs) to try to live them. Uh, That's a little more difficult, but with uh, the gifts that God gives, the grace that he uh, offers us, it's all eminently possible. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Well, I, you know, taking some cues from St. James, as I mentioned in the in the open there, you know, this is what he writes. He writes, Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials. And then he goes on to say, For you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance be perfect, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So, I mean, again, uh, just that we're we're told to have joy. It sounds like it's something that we can we can uh, we can choose. We can choose to have joy during trials. Now, does that mean that we we ignore the severity of our trials during those times, Father? Well, first, of course, to become aware of you know always our thoughts, feelings, desires. That you know, that Houston, we have a problem. I okay, right now, I'm, I'm upset that this. this there's being uh, there's resistance to what I'm trying to do. Uh, I'm just being stretched in many ways. I really getting discouraged. Oh, I'm supposed to be joyful. Okay, I better put a smile on here. Uh, well, I mean, that's not so easy, and it wouldn't probably even be uh, genuine. But the idea, of course, is to be aware of the times of trial, and uh, then to really bring that to the Lord, so He can help us to sort it out. Sometimes we're not even aware of it, and we find ourselves that. We're just uh, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling on our phone, or we're eating, or we're buying, or we're doing these things. And then, why am I doing this? Because I'm sad. This is not working out for me, so I'm turning to this. And just like, you know, the Israelites wanted to go back to Egypt, those flesh pots are never going to satisfy. But boy, they sure beat, uh, you know, living out here in the desert where, you know, now I'm confronted with my limitations that I have to depend on somebody other than myself. And we've never really liked that. So. To find out that we're in trial or in this time of uh, being tested. And then I think that whatever joy is, it's really Jesus. So when people say you've got to find joy, find the Lord. You know, he's in there. And when you find him, there's always joy with him. I don't know how to be joyful when I'm sad. I don't think that's, you know, all that possible. But I, I know how to find the Lord when I'm sad. And yeah. then he helps us to kind of, uh, you know, well, we identify it. We turn it over to him. He... Uh, he like sorts things out. Like if you're out um, at sea and you cast a net in, and all you bring is a bunch of garbage. You know, just uh, various detritus, different things that you you know. But he sorts through it. And he always finds something that's valuable, priceless, and uh, that's why we go to confession. We give him all the things that we'd say are just really sad and discouraging, and he sorts through it and he makes us feel that you know these struggles are actually a blessing in your life. You're being stretched. You're you're becoming more humble. You're learning to love sinners, including the one you see in the mirror every morning. So he is the one that um, will help us to find joy because he is joy. I mean, that's where Mother Teresa used it as an acronym, Jesus, others, and you. So get Jesus and put him in the right place, and uh, other things will fall in their right place as well. 
Yeah, Jesus, others, and you. I like that a lot. And uh, that's one of the things, too, as I, you just pointed out, Father, as St. James does as well, that uh, one of the things we can recognize in times of trial is the fruit that's being born in our lives. And that's sometimes hard to, to remember, hard to recall, but it is a great encouragement from from St. James and from you and uh, from all those who would say that, yeah, the Lord is still present and he's still doing something with you. It is a time of spiritual growth during times of trials, what I'm understanding. Yeah, it's hard to remember that at the time, you know, but if yeah. uh, if we are faithful, if we just don't give up, uh, we become aware of trends. So St. Jose Maria said that resistance, he said, it's a, it's like if you put a nail in the wall, you're going to hang up a, a picture that, uh, you know, you're moving into a new house. And if you miss the two-by-four, the stud, uh, you're just not going to find any strength, and it's not going to be, you know, it's going to strip the nail right out. It won't hold that picture up there, so... No resistance, no strength. It's useless. Resistance helps us to grow. And when we meet it, uh, we become aware of it. And it comes from all sorts of different areas. The world, the flesh, the devil. uh, Those are the three that are kind of principally opposed uh, to the way of God. And so as the teacher, as they treated the Lord, we should expect some of that as well. And it's a good sign that we're in the right place, uh, doing the right thing. Not that we're looking for trouble, that's not the point, but uh, <laughs> trying to follow the Lord, we're going to find trouble, because it always found him, no matter where he went, the devil's like, I know who you are. Well, he did. I mean, he was right, that this is the Son of God, and he is a threat to the evil one, and anyone else who's kind of aligned with, uh, you know, his deceit. So we should expect resistance, and as we grow in our faith, we begin to, if not embrace it, at least we accept up. Oh, well, this is, uh, it's like the canary in the mine. Hey, you know, that's a the telltale sign that there's something happening here. And when the canary dies, that means there's poison. Get out. And uh, we learn to read the signs as well. Mm, very good. Talking today, I hear on the show about finding joy in times of trial and difficulties and challenges that inevitably, as Father was just saying, come our way. Our spiritual director today, Father Sam Martin, when was a time when you faced a challenge and did you find it difficult to be joyful or did you find some joy in the midst of that challenge? Maybe you're facing that right now and you have some questions about how do I find joy in the midst of this situation? Give us a call. Join the conversation. Our number here in the inner life is 888-914-9149. That's our toll-free studio line sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. The number again is 888-914-9149. Or if you'd prefer, you can send us an email, innerlife@relevantradio.com. Father, how, how about resisting doubting the Lord? Um, because it seems like when things don't go our way in life, it seems like that's one of the first things that the enemy might use is to doubt the Lord's presence with us. See, the Lord isn't here because things are kind of falling apart around you. Well, once again, a very common uh, experience, you know, as old as uh, original sin. And before that, I don't think we would have struggled in that way. Uh, but sin damaged our, our capacity to trust, to really uh, think that the Lord, you know, that, that God is a provident Father. He genuinely loves His children. He delights in the children of men, Scripture says. So to acknowledge that, uh, that we're in a time of, uh, of real trial. And then, uh, you know, like I, we showed this movie yesterday called Of Gods and Men about the Cistercian monks that uh, were living in Algeria in 1996. There's a lot of radical... Uh, violence there, and eventually, and so they it shows them wrestling with like this kind of uh, you know what's happening, the doubt and the fear that come you know where 
you know, all of a sudden, you know, I was fine and I knew the Lord loved me and now I, I don't feel his presence. And so it really is one of the most poignant. They won, won all the you know, Cannes uh, Film Festival Awards, which is really uh, pretty remarkable because it's a lot of silence. It shows they're, they're part of the Benedictine family, the aura et labora, so praying and working, which, I mean, has changed this planet more than any other uh, way of life, so to speak. If you put God first, prayer, then you're going to work. You're going to make a contribution. You're not going to, well, why do you stand there idle all day? So these are the two things that got us out of the dark ages. I know, not to get off on a tangent here, Patrick, but uh, my favorite uh, bumper sticker is that religion flourished in the dark ages. I'm like, gosh, I want to get these people a library card and say, go read some books, because actually, if it weren't for religion, we'd still be in the dark ages. Thanks to the Benedictines, Irish monks, all sorts of men and women that, uh, that wrote things down and transcribed things that would have been lost forever. But the idea, of course, is that these assertions, I mean, they're really struggling with, like, should we stay or should we go? If we stay here, these people that are rounding up everyone, they could get us too. And does God really want us to? I mean, but over and over again in their prayer. And some of them, I mean, it's really beautiful because you think, well, the, the martyrs, just, they, they just heroically marched on in and gave their lives. No, they didn't. They don't want to die any more than any of us do. Right. But they felt like in the case of these monks that like the good shepherd can't abandon his flock. And these people in this village have depended on us, and they wanted to go. I mean, when they took their first vote, half of them said, let's get out of here. I mean, this isn't right for us to die here, not, not like this, not now. But by the end of it, they all had unanimous beat because they had prayed. And that's what they said. That the one oldest of the monks, he said, I don't know yet. I think we need to pray more. I think we need to ask the Lord what he wants of us. And because they were docile, because they asked the right question, like, well, what is this, Lord, and why me? And, well, then the Lord's going to help us. Now, if we just, you know, pout and stew and, and don't talk to the Lord, just talk to everybody else and uh, make little speeches, well, then we don't let him help us. And he, he does understand, he, he does, uh, you know, because he lived in this world, he knows exactly what we're up against. And typically, there's that time of really wrestling and anger and, and you know, disbelief. But then there's a time of, uh, you know, kind of waiting, kind of time of silence. And then comes the answer. Oh, okay. So it's not all my fault. This isn't a punishment, it's a preparation. Uh, this isn't you know, this is going to lead to my glory. Like Jesus said to Peter, someday you're going to be led where you'd rather not go. That summarizes discipleship. I mean, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you have to let go of some of your life. Oh, up front? Well, the Lord's pretty generous. He's, he lets us sign up. Like, can you drink the cup that I'm like, yeah, we can, Lord. We have no idea what we just said, but yes. And then <laughs> yeah. gradually he starts to unveil, like, well, I don't want to, you know, do this now. I mean, hey, listen, you signed up. You said somebody reminded me of a story in a, a book called Conversion by this Father Donald Haggerty that uh, this guy had just been ordained a priest, St. Patrick's uh, Cathedral in New York, and he was looking to get to the reception, and he randomly bumps into a priest that, you know, an older, maybe he was even retired. And the guy said, congratulations, young priest, man, it's good to have you. Welcome aboard. And now, by the way, you just gave your life to Jesus Christ. Don't spend the rest of your life trying to take it back. Oh, wow. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Father. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes, you know, when you got married, Patrick, and when anybody makes any vows, when you got baptized, you didn't say it, but your godparents did. Do you reject Satan? Yes. Do you accept Jesus Christ and his cross and everything about him? Yes. Well, let your yes mean yes. 
and it's yeah. going to be tested. It's going to be conditioned. And in the end, it's going to be polished and purified. It's going to be so beautiful at the end. You'll say, whose yes, whose fiat is that? It's yours. But I didn't do that. No, you had some help, but you, you weren't so proud that you didn't ask for the help. So these Cistercians, when they're struggling with doubt and fear, and they go to the Lord, and he helps them. And in the end, they all died martyrs. They're all canonized saints now. And because they did the right thing, they prayed. And then they did their work. And then the answers came. They always will. God can't deceive or be deceived. He never betrays us. He never abandons us. He'll never let us down. Wow. Good reminders from our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin, today. If you'd like to join the conversation, maybe you're facing something that you're finding it difficult to find joy in the midst of this trial, challenge, whatever it is that you're facing, give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Let's take a phone call, Father. We've got Sal calling in from Clovis, California. Good morning, Sal. Thanks for calling The Inner Life. Good morning. I'm so happy I got in right away. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Anyway, I'm ready. Yeah, what's your situation, Sal? Well, um, my wife passed away about almost four years ago now. Uh, anyway, it'll be in June. And, of course, I count the days. And and it's so hard for me to get back to find joy or be confident that I'm going to be okay. I'm going through things like wondering, what's purgatory all about? And is my wife in some sort of a sleep? Is she out of purgatory? How should I believe as a Catholic that, when I explain to friends, my wife is with God, but she may not. She may be still in some sort of a sleep. Maybe Father can explain that. I don't want you to go. I know purgatory is a hard thing for me to understand, and I can imagine what other Catholics think. Well, Sal, first, uh, you know, thanks for being vulnerable. There are a lot of widows and widowers in this world, and when you love your spouse, that uh, has a beginning and no end, and so when there's a separation of, of death for a while until we're reunited in our Lord, there's a, a sorrow that um, it's a scar. Some days go better than others, but you're aware of it and you're bringing it to the Lord and you've opened your heart now to others who are going through these struggles too. And, um, you know, we pray uh, for our deceased loved ones. We don't really know. I mean, we know they're in God's hands. The souls of the just are in the hands of God. That's what the Book of Wisdom tells us. So what does that mean? Are they in heaven? Are they in purgatory? They're with the Lord. We know that. And so that's, my dad died two and a half years ago. I pray for him every day. I don't know if he needs those prayers, but the Lord will use them. And every time I pray for him, it's a way of loving him, of saying, I miss him. And I want that. I don't want to ever forget my dad. And you, your wife, and anyone who's lost someone that they care about, pray for that person. And there's already a beginning of healing in our own heart. I mean, and plus the good that it's doing them. Purgatory, I, there are lots of different ways that people explain it. I always think of it as kind of a hospital. It's a place you go because you weren't completely healthy. There were still some things, uh, some, oh, I don't know, unforgiveness or some bad habits or something that you you hadn't really repented of fully. Uh, it's a hospital. And do you think the Lord would go and visit people in the hospital? Oh, that's a, one of those works of mercy, right? So no doubt that the soul's in purgatory. Uh, what's the suffering of it? Well, they describe, describe it as fire and different things. And I don't know, and I used to try to describe it. Keep in mind, this is all like kind of private revelation. We believe in purgatory. It's a, it revealed kind of in an in implicit way, a subtle way in the scriptures in the Old Testament again, in the New, and, uh, 
and the catechism. I mean, this is a doctrine of the faith, something that we we take uh, by our Catholic faith. Uh, we we agree to, we assent to, with the full mind and our conscience. But we don't know all the details. But anyway, I used to um, say that it's like a kid before Christmas. You know, when I was young, I'd say, "Ma, how many days till Christmas?" Oh, it's still two weeks. Two weeks. Oh my gosh! I mean, that was the definition of eternity when I was a kid. You may as well you like say we're never going to get there. Now, you're, when you're an adult, two weeks for Christmas, you're in a panic because it's not enough time to get ready. But the idea is that when you're looking forward to something, time can be pretty tough. But you're looking forward to something, and that's what makes the time go and it feel so different. And in the end, the people that um, are in heaven will all say the same thing: "Sal, it was worth it." It was worth all of it. So there was a lady that, Margaret, she was uh, with this guy Arsenio. This is back, I think, in the 13th century. And they could never marry because they weren't in the same social strata, whatever. And uh, so, But they were kind of living a sinful life. And then one day Arsenio gets killed. They don't know how, an accident. But anyway, Margaret starts to worry about the state of his soul. So she starts praying for him. Then she grows closer to the Lord, starts praying for anyone that died, especially those who maybe didn't know of God or weren't close to him. And by the time she got sick and old, all these people came to her bedside when she was dying, and they were all dressed in white. And it was revealed to her, Margaret, these are the souls that you ransomed by your prayers. Wow. He's now known as St. Margaret of Cortona and a great, you know, intercessor and a great patroness, maybe, of the souls in purgatory, and a great reminder to us. I mean, when Monica died, she told her son, she made one last request, remember me at the altar, boys. Pray for me. Monica's a towering saint, so is one of her sons, Augustine. But she wasn't a proud or presumptuous woman. She was a faithful woman. She said, remember me at the altar. Say, I'll do that, and I know you are, and you'll be helping not just your wife, but who knows who else up there. And we hope and pray that what we've done will be passed on to the next generation. So when we die, you say, the only last request, remember me at the altar. And people say, don't pray for that person there in heaven. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I used to tell my students, don't ever let anybody. Of course, my students knew me. They would never, they'd say, Father, you're going to need a lot of prayers. Oh, yeah. yeah you know. But um, don't let anybody ever say that. Don't pray that that person's already in heaven. Oh, no, we just, we pray because we love we pray because we're grateful. We pray because uh, an intercessor is one that asks God for the grace of salvation. It's a grace. It's a gift. And only God can give it. Sal, thank you so much for the phone call and the question. Indeed, I mean, uh, dealing with the loss of a loved one, and our condolences to you, Sal, certainly. And we can all offer prayers for your wife as well. But uh, that is a time when it is tough to find joy, and that's what we're talking about here on the show today, finding joy in tough times, in times of trial, in times of loss, in times of challenge. If you have questions about a situation that you're currently facing and would like to know, where do I find joy in this? Give us a call. Join the conversation with our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin. Our number here in the inner life is 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Or send us an email if you'd prefer, relevantradio.com. We're going to take our first break, but more of the conversation with Father Sam Martin on finding joy in difficult times right after this. Stay with us. Big thanks to our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers. Hurry now to compete for five full tuition scholarships at UD, a leading Catholic university. Apply by February 14th for eligibility. Go to relevantradio.com slash udallas. That's relevantradio.com slash udallas. 
And welcome back to The Inner Life. A little joyful music there for you as we're talking about finding joy in the tough times today here on the show. If you're facing times of difficulty, of challenge, of struggle, and are struggling to find joy in the midst of that, then give us a call and join the conversation. 888-914-9149. Our spiritual director today, Father Sam Martin, pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau, part of the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. Father, we got an email that came in from Val, also from the Diocese of La Crosse, and she writes, I sometimes feel that Catholic friends don't think I take my faith seriously because I'm always trying to find the good and joy in my life. Says, I've recently lost my father. My youngest child uh, just joined the Marines and is currently a boot camp, children who are fallen away, so I do have sadness, sorrow, and life challenges. I don't believe God put us here to ignore the beauty and blessings. I think we each need to find the balance in our own lives pray for those who cannot see the small blessings, graces, and joy in their everyday lives. So Val, thank you for that email. Um, but what about that, Father? What about people who might look at us and say, ah, well, they're just blind to the real sufferings and sorrows of life because they're always looking for joy and goodness? Yeah, I suppose other people feel, you know, the, the sadness of their own life, like, why does that person have it and I don't? And right. what am I doing wrong? Or the, Sometimes people feel threatened and it comes out, you know, and things that we say or imply that I don't know if we really mean it. I mean, I, uh, there was a movie about this Josephine Bakita, her feast was last mm-hmm. week and she, um, you know, had a tough life. I mean, her parents were murdered and she was sold into slavery six times and had lots of physical scars. And at one point they show that there was an epidemic in this little town. So everybody kind of takes off and it's just her and these couple of sisters. And, uh, it's really tough sledding to try to help everybody, you know, because, uh, it's, it's a significant illness and, and at one point, she's out trying to, like, till the soil to plant some food so that these people won't die of starvation. And it's cold, and she's not from, uh, they're in Italy at this point, northern Italy, and up by Venice. And she, uh, she's just really cold, and the sisters and the other people that are trying to help her, they're like, man, it's just cold. How do you keep going? And then she remembered that, you know, when she was a little girl, they had this dance. And so she taught them how to dance, and the dancing was exercise. It warmed them up, but mostly it lifted their spirits. And later in life, when she discovered her vocation, she said, there's so many sad and lonely people in the world, and I feel that God is asking me to, to help them. Mm-hmm. And it was out of the brokenness of her life that really she had these incredible reservoirs of, of joy. And that's oh. the thing about sorrow and suffering is that if we do give it to God, St. John of the Cross said that suffering is the mark of one who loves so the greater the love, the greater the suffering. So our Lord still has his scars, his wounds, after he rises from the dead, and it's a measure of greater love than this no man has. So when people suffer, I know that's, but that's one part of the equation, just with God's grace and time and cooperation. He is a healing God. I mean, this is the good news. It, it can take years, I know, and some of those hurts are always with us, but they remind us that, well, this might be a wound that God has permitted to keep me close to him and close to his people, Keep me humble. Keep me on my knees. I don't want to be, uh, you know, lukewarm. I don't want to be drifting. So some of the suffering that we have, that other people have, is it's not just going to be easily, you know, medicated away. Or, but it can really bring us to the Lord, and there we can find in Him the assurance that this too shall pass, that this, I make all things new. Well, when? I want to now. Well, that's what the world promises. You know, that there's this rival religion out there that says that we can fix all this. Or we can have you, you know, whipped in the shape by the weekend. And you won't have any problem. You're just going to be, uh, we can have our heaven on earth. Well, that's an old, tired lie, and it's been around since, uh, since we lost heaven on earth, so to speak. Uh, came with sin, that you don't need him. 
God, nah, you can do it yourself. You can do no right and wrong, good and evil, and then have life on your terms. And that's worked out magnificently for us. I mean, it's just, you know, of course I'm saying that uh, facetiously. So the idea is that not to be, I don't know, ashamed of our joy, not to be, you know, to be sensitive of other people's sorrow and to say that I know what you're going through. I've been there too. But I, there's another side of that coin. And on that side is a, the face of our Lord. And I've found in him someone who understands me and doesn't just, you know, you know, shrug it off like, ah, get over it. You'll be fine. It's no big deal. No, he seems to really, when I suffer, he does too in me. And uh, I don't feel so alone. And uh, the world is going to feel threatened by that. I know it, it always has, it seems like. It, uh, they said, well, geez, he's out of his mind, and they're going to throw him off the brow of the hill. And they just, I mean, they don't know what to do with this guy. Then they're like, they want to make him a king, and he's, because they, he could feed them. And they're like, well, yeah, we'll elect you if you can feed us. Uh, and the Romans picked up on that later, bread and circuses, right? You can, <laughs> you can have a, a quite a run with that stuff. But Jesus didn't come to satisfy just our bodies. It's our souls that really got damaged, uh, you know, in a deeper way. And he's the only one. He's the only medicine for that. And uh, he's abundant. He's generous. Uh, he's available to everyone. And if others don't experience that, well, we pray for them. We are sorry for them, that, but we also are, are confident for them. Hey, just like Jesus said about the scribe, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far from the truth, kid. I mean, it's just uh, it's like the rich young man that, you know, you're just lacking one thing. And so it is for a lot of people. You're, it's just a little degree. And Oscar Wilde said, you know, we're all lying in the gutter, but some of us are facing the stars. And that's it. I mean, that's kind of the difference is that just turn around and look up. Oh, oh, well, that's better. Of course it's better. You see this in lots of the great literary works, like in Les Mis. I mean, you know, the, the bishop says, that, uh, you know, that he says he tells this guy he's got a soul, and he's like, how did he know? Well, I mean, yeah. but he believes him because there's this thing called forgiveness that shocked him, and he didn't know what to do with it, except in the end he decided to accept it, to receive it. Yeah. And it changed his life. It saved him and a lot of other people, and uh, so it goes. So, Val, be joyful, and, uh, you know, but also be, of course, aware that not everybody's spiritually in the same place you are. You didn't get there by accident or in an easy way. There's no comfortable route to it, but you're there. And um, that's a, a beacon of hope. That's what always draws people to Christ. It's what always draws people to the gospel. This is actually is pretty good news, you know, and uh, it does, you know, it's a, certainly in contrast to a lot of other, you know, pseudo-gospels that are being preached uh, here and there. So uh, keep the faith, and that faith is a, a beacon of light and hope and healing to lots of other people, too. Yeah, good point, Father. And I think that uh, I think that you're right that there's this, this in the times of challenge and in difficulty and in struggle that uh, if you have two options, one being, you know what, I am going to place my faith in the Lord. I'm going to find the joy that's in Him, or I'm not. And, and I guess the the latter will lead to despair, which isn't going to make anything better. In fact, if anything, it's going to make us worse. So, Val, thank you for the thank you for the email. Thank you for listening, and thank you for uh, sharing with that. And good reminder just to pray for all those who can't see uh, the small blessings, the graces, and joy in their everyday lives. Let's take a phone call here before we have to go to br- another break. Uh, Cecilia is calling in from Arizona. Good morning, Cecilia. Thanks for calling the Inner Life. Good morning. Hi. Um. 
I have a situation where I have two daughters, and they're in their early 40s, late 30s. One of them is um, estranged from her, us, my husband and I. We've been married 43 years. And she'll go through periods where she won't talk to us for not going on 10 months. Before it was two years. And she isolates herself. And she isolates herself in the bedroom. And what does not work. She went through a divorce. And that's how she makes her income. And um, she's not drugs, no drugs, no alcohol, no smoking, drinking, nothing. Um, that's her situation in, in a short nutshell. And the other one is in her 40s, and she has problems with anger management. And she's lost friends, and uh, she uh, just wow. no, no future for her. There's no future, and it's, so this is an ongoing thing. It's been going on for over 20 years. Every day I pray, and every I have every prayer group praying for her, for both of them. And I'm afraid that one day I'm going to get a call, and someone's going to tell me one of them has committed suicide. Hmm. Wow. Well, we ask God to, you know, to console our own hearts, uh, to walk by faith, not by sight. We don't have all the proof or assurance. How is it going to end, Lord? Well, he is the Alpha and the Omega. He was there at the beginning of their lives and ours, and he will be there at the end. What can we do except to really look at the Lord, study his life, and the means that he prescribes, that he says demons are driven out by prayer and fasting. So that's a, a way of physical fasting, which, of course, Ash Wednesday this week and so forth, but also the the suffering that otherwise would be wasted if we don't bring it to the Lord, if we don't every time we're at Mass, we the offertories bring up our gifts, the bread and wine and the, the financial support, but it's also our sufferings. And we want to every morning, every time we're at Mass, that we pour that suffering into the chalice, that we unite that with the redemption of our Lord. So then, it, Because what happens with suffering is we all have it. Most of us don't handle it well. Some of us handle it terribly. And it starts to embitter us. It starts to break down our, our hope. And a life without hope is a, a pretty tough existence. But the good news about suffering is that given to our Lord, it, it's not wasted now. Archbishop Fulton Sheen used to say sometimes when he was driving past hospitals, he would think, you know, all the wasted suffering there. So many people that don't know how to unite that to Christ, how to, to just give that to him, because... He said that by the blood of the Lamb, uh, by the suffering. And so the Mass is the representation when we're there. Time and space collapse, and we're, we're standing there where God is giving His only begotten Son, who has consented to let His own people, the people that He's loved, He's going to... And that's us. It's not the Jews, not the fault. It's all of human nature. He lets us take His life, and He gives it freely. And he chooses the cross, his suffering, to save his people. So you are calling because you have a, a really tough suffering, one that's not all your fault, it's not their fault. It's just the mystery of iniquity, the mystery of how things happen to people. And But let's have confidence. Let's remember that the Lord knows his way out of the tomb, that when something seems to be dying or even dead, it's not the end. It's not even the beginning of the end, Churchill used to say. It may 
perhaps it's the end of the beginning. Maybe it was just all a preparation for something we couldn't see. So we want to always to be aware, to name these things, to, and to ask people, please pray for my family. Good. We all have situations like yours, Cecilia, not specifically or maybe is, is, you know, precisely what you're going through, but everyone has something. And some have really, really uh, remarkable crosses that they're bearing. But suffering given to the Lord, especially in the Mass, is, uh, is one of the most consoling things. And then when you receive our Lord, you'll have a sense that, uh, I mean, you'll be like a, a Martha going out to Jesus. That, Jesus, if you'd only been here, my brother never would have died. Mm. So she's, you know, experiencing this terrible loss and this, this hopelessness and this despair. But Jesus said, don't you know? And she says, I know you are the resurrection. I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection. Jesus said, I am. I am the resurrection. I am the one who was watching over every life. If a bird falls from the sky, I know it. And if your daughters are struggling, he's with them. You want him to be in your own suffering, and he wants that. So you've given him access, Cecilia. We can't fix anybody. We can't save anybody. We can pray for them love them, forgive them, accompany them. We're never going to leave. We're not giving up. We're here till the end. Uh, there's no sense throwing in the towel. No, we've come this far, Lord. I'd like to see it through till the end. And someday we'll hear the rest of the story. All of us. I mean, not yet. There's so many things that we just don't know. I, I've never come across, for example, that St. Francis of Assisi ever reconcile with his parents. I don't know. Maybe we're not supposed to know. Maybe it's one of those tensions we're supposed to leave that until we get to heaven. To say, how did that ever end? Oh, well, how do you think it ended? The Lord came, and when he offered his grace, it was so beautiful that even the saddest people said, Lord, if, if that's for me, I don't see how I am worthy, but I don't want to say no either. God came to console the sorrowful. He did seem to bring a little sorrow to the comfortable. Uh, so in the case of your daughters, you got a lot of people praying, Cecilia. And to be a mother is well, arguably the most noble vocation, and therefore sometimes the most challenging. But don't give up. Never give up. That's the only thing that would keep us from eternity is to say it's not worth it. It is. <laughs> Everything can be redeemed, even the worst things. So... Thanks for your call and uh, for opening your heart and your hurt to so many of us today. Yeah, certainly. Cecilia, thank you so much for your call. And I do know that if you remain anchored in the Lord, you're going to bring light to your daughters and all those around you, even in maybe the darkest times of their lives. So, Cecilia, do have our prayers. Thank you for the call. Thanks for listening. And, uh, yeah, God bless you. Continue on in that vocation of motherhood, uh, even when it's tough. And you will find joy, I'm sure of that. Talking today about finding joy in difficult, challenging times. I know that uh, it's not it's not light things that we face. There's some heavy things that are out there. If you have questions about something you're facing right now, and how do I find the Lord? How do I find joy in this? Give us a call and join the conversation at 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Or send us an email, relevantradio.com. We're going to take another short break, but we'll be back with more of the conversation on finding joy in difficult times with Father Sam Martin, our spiritual director today, right after this. 
Big thanks to our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers. Hurry now to compete for five full tuition scholarships at UD, a leading Catholic university. Apply by February 14th for eligibility. Go to relevantradio.com slash udallas. That's relevantradio.com slash udallas. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Thomas Angus, who is stepping in on the board today for us, producing the show, and Cyrus Simcoe taking your phone calls today. And our spiritual director today is Father Sam Martin, finding joy in the tough times. And help. And I want to say thank you to you, all of our listeners, for helping us find joy in the tough times of, yeah, looking into the Lord's provision, which is not a, really that challenging of a time, but it's in the sense that it's always he's always so faithful. And uh, during our winter pledge drive last week, we did meet our $3 million need. Thank you so much for your generosity. If you'd still like to give a gift, you can do so at RelevantRadio.com on the Relevant Radio app or by calling us at 877-291-0123. Well, Father Martin, we are talking today about finding joy in the challenges of life. And uh, people, I'm looking at some of the emails that have come in. People are facing some really hard things. Um, rather than kind of taking these one at a time, I just want to mention them. And I'm just going to keep them all anonymous, um, as some have asked, but uh, these are all anonymous. So one says, appreciate today's topic. They've been raising a granddaughter for 11 years, and uh, she's now a young teenager. She has many gifts, but in recent months, she's starting to be really challenging, become increasingly disrespectful to teachers at her Catholic school, and her grades have dropped. And uh, this has been a real challenge for them. Another listener writes in and says, uh, how can you be happy when your husband is no longer in love with you? Constantly saying, uh, talking about divorce and kicking her out of the house after being married for 24 years. And yet even another who says that they've, how do they resolve the sadness of the loss of a 39-week-old grandson whose parents are cancer survivors and struggled with infertility, and now they've lost this beautiful child thirty at 39 weeks. So, Father, some really heavy stuff that people are facing. Um, where where is, is it even right to talk about joy in the midst of some of these situations? Well, again, you know, the focus is always Jesus. The joy comes whenever he gives it. I guess it's up to him. He's the, uh, the source of it. And uh, sometimes we're, we're, you know... I'm just not happy. Well, let's not make happiness an idol. Let's just, you know, I'm with the Lord. He's with me. I don't know. Someday maybe I'll be happy again. But the goal and the focus is always the Lord, always to, to relate everything to him and to be close to him. I, I had a friend that she died, and she was, um, you know, a, a young mother. And, and so you try to, you know, you try to capture some of the traumas of people's lives. And all those that you just listed, it's like, man, those are... Those are some yeah. of the biggest crosses that are available in the universe, yeah. and you got them all in one fell swoop. But I don't know where this quote came from, but it talks about, you know, like a mother who's lost a child, and that's sometimes considered one of the greatest sorrows in mm-hmm. our world. But this is what it says, that, Do not judge the bereaved mother. She comes in many forms. She is breathing, but she is dying. She may look young, but inside she has become ancient. She smiles, but her heart sobs. She walks. She talks, she cooks, she cleans, she works. She is, but she is not all at once. She is here, but part of her is elsewhere for eternity. And I think there's something in that of um, that the suffering, it seems to cause this division. And I'm here, but I'm not. I, I still, you know, existing, but I'm not fully alive anymore. And when someone leaves us or, 
when something dies in our life, a relationship or a hope, a dream, something in us dies too. But that's not the end of the story. It, it was never meant to be. So it's a matter of waiting. And that's why the Blessed Virgin Mary, every Saturday is her day. That's the day of, of the waiting, because the tomb is still full, at least so it seems, of her son, of God's son, of our Messiah, the one who said he was going to save his people, and he's dead. And so, but Mary waits for him, but on behalf of all of us, because the easier thing would have been to quit, to say it's over, I just, and I guess he wasn't what he claimed to be and what Simeon said he was going to be. No, she waits. And who grieved more than Mary? But who was the greater, uh, what was the greater gift in the end or grief or her unshakable hope, the faith that she displays that we know that Mary Magdalene was the first to the tomb, but private revelation says that Jesus appeared to his mama first, you know, in a way that we don't, wasn't recorded. Wouldn't surprise me. That would be like God to give her that special grace, she who had suffered so deeply. So for all people suffering, I mean, the Blessed Virgin Mary is a tremendous gift because she had to watch her only son murdered in front of her for not doing anything but good to his people and to listen to the things people said and and then to watch his best friends abandoned, and not to have her husband there or anybody there really to support her except a few holy friends in St. John who maybe just was, you know, had to stay because he felt this obligation, especially when Jesus said, Behold your mother. So anyway, the uh, there's no easy answer to suffering. Mm-hmm. There's There's no, you know, solution. No, and this is where the world will always find itself to be uh, inadequate. It always promises us things that it can't deliver because suffering isn't something to be fixed. It's, it's the beginning of a deeper conversion. It's a preparation for a world where there will be no suffering, where a world where everything will make sense, where a world where the people that hurt us, we may actually have been forgiven and healed so deeply of our own hurts that we'll be able to forgive them and love them genuinely. We're not there yet. What eye has not seen, ear has not heard, hasn't even dawned upon us what God has in store for those who love him. Well, let's begin with his love for us. That's what Mary always believed in. That's what always drew her back. I mean, there's no doubt that, uh, you know, like any parent would say, when you have a child, they change you more than you change them. And guess what? Mary and Joseph were really deeply affected by that little baby. They were changed by him because he had our human nature, but he was always God. So let's be like them and be changed by him and affected by him. He who said, I know you're suffering, but I have a plan. Well, I can't see it, Lord, and I'm going to give up. I'm going to quit. Okay, that's a possibility for all of us. But some don't. Some can't. They won't. They, and that's the church. She's the mother that, um, of all the faithful, the bride of Christ, and uh, a suffering servant. But she's a... Uh, uh, carrying a mighty freight, and she's a ship that uh, may not inspire confidence at time, but times, but she will make it to the distant shore, and if we stay with her, we will too. Thanks be to God for that. Well, Father, one of the things that it might it might be important to emphasize, especially here, just in the in the close of the show, in the last few minutes we've got, is that now when we're talking about finding joy in trials, this does not mean that we are forbidden from mourning. In fact, that's one of the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So it's not like when we find the joy of the Lord or when we have the joy of the Lord in the midst of these trials that we can't feel 
sad and sometimes in like in some of these really traumatic really tragic situations that we've had listeners write in about that uh, we can um, we can mourn and have joy simultaneously how does that work out father I think uh, it, there's something about the strength and the uh, the deep bond that is forged in suffering especially when it's shared with other people the right people at the right time so that's why you know the confessional is a place of healing people get prayed over they share their if they're in a small group or they have some spiritual friendships, uh, when you can really be vulnerable with another person, uh, that, is, that can forge a bond that will be there until not even the, the devil himself can, can break that one. So suffering when uniting us to Christ and to his people is something that, um, even on a natural level, I mean, they did this whole thing about the Band of Brothers in World War II and so forth, but what they had gone through together, it just it was something that made them tough as nails. And it's just something in the spiritual life that's similar. So I think that, you know, everyone that emailed, they're reaching out. Thank God. I mean, yeah. the worst thing yeah. is when we isolate. The worst thing is that we run off and I just, I don't want to, when we become reclusive, we enter the darkness. And that's not a safe place for us. So go out. Find someone that you can, you know, share this burden with. And find the, that's what forges the church's communion with Christ and with his people is, that we suffer together. We suffer with and for and from each other, which, uh, you know, we all have that too. But uh, let's bring this together. That's what forges those bonds. That's what makes a true communion, one that will last until eternity. Well, it's a good reminder, too, of the importance of the community, and uh, that's uh, something that I think we we need to underscore all the time, which is when we're facing times of trial, times of challenge, times of struggle, that there is that opportunity to go and take it before the Lord, not just in prayer on our own, which is, of course, uh, fundamental and one of the things that we want to be doing all the time, but also we want to bring it before the community, find a, a trusted friend, like you were saying about the, our Blessed Mother, you know, who had a few faithful friends and St. John, and, and uh, we are, she was able to at least share in some of that grief. And we're, we're encouraged by Scripture itself to bear one another's burdens. And it's a, it's a tough time, but it is a time that it's uh, better, like you were saying, Father, not to isolate, but to reach out and to uh, seek the help of others. So my thanks to all of you who have called and emailed. If we didn't get your, to your call or email, my apologies, but hopefully that this has been a good conversation and inspiring you to continue to reach out to those around you who can show you Christ's love and Christ's presence in your life each and every moment of each and every day. Father Martin, this has been a fascinating conversation. Lots of great insights from you. We thank you so much for that. May we have a blessing from you as we close the show. Absolutely. May God lead you, guide you, protect you, heal you, bring you to his son Jesus. And there at the foot of his cross, may you find hope, strength, courage, and joy. May God bless you, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Sam Martin has been our spiritual director today. My prayers for all of you who are facing these traumatic and tragic uh, situations in your life. The struggles are real, but the Lord is real and in a sense even more real, right? He is there present to us. So our prayers are definitely with you. Stay tuned for the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. You will find the Lord there, certainly, with our celebrant Father Ed Looney today. Tomorrow on the program, we're going to be talking about Christian burial with our spiritual director, Father Marcel Tyone. Hope you can join us. Until then, grace and peace.